The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is the Employment Law Show. And welcome to it at 6.33 again, Wednesday evening. Good to have you along for the ride over the next half hour. John Scholes here, Lior Samfiru, of course, as well. You can always reach out afterwards to Lior and his uh, fantastic team. That phone number, 1-855-821-5900. And help at employmentlawyer.ca. And you always have the uh, fallback position of the website, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And rolled into that, baked into that website is what we call the Severance Calculator. It's been around for years, serviced millions of Canadians, and it's uh, done them the uh, done them the right way. Let them know how much severance they should actually be getting. Different number than what they're offered, almost guaranteed. So, again, access that at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Main topic momentarily will be weird things that you need to know about termination and severance. So stick around for those. And your phone calls, of course, begin now as well. But uh, the case of the day, pal, what do you got going on? Hey, Johnny. Great to be here. Of course, Wednesday evening show. Always a, a great day for me on Wednesday. I, I get to answer a lot of questions, not just on radio, but on live stream earlier in the day. Opportunity to help our listeners and the viewers of the live stream make sure that they know their rights. That's the name of the game. You have rights, but the rights don't matter if you don't know what they are, right? doesn't matter if you have rights if you don't know them. Well, on this show, we tell you what your rights are, and better yet, will answer your questions with respect to those rights. So your rights with respect to severance, your rights with respect to losing your job, your rights with respect to how you should be treated at work, your rights with respect to your job duties, your hours, you name it. This is what we talk about on the show. If it has to do with your uh, job, your workplace, employment law, this is the time to show the place to get those answered. Uh, and hopefully make uh, you feel a lot better about those uh, issues. And of course, beyond the 30 minutes of the show, beyond the live streams, if you just want to have a private chat, you know, you don't want to be on air, you want to really dig deep into the issues, you can call or email me. We'll give you that contact information to reach myself and my team uh, anytime at the office. But case of the day where I always like to start, John, uh, today on the live stream, I communicated with a lady who uh, recently came back from a parental leave uh, and was returned to work, was given the same job title when she came back, only then to find out, though, that the job itself had changed significantly. So the, the, the job title was the same. The job itself uh, changed significantly. And someone else was doing her old job under a different job title. So she talked to the company about it. She said, no, no, it's just a, a bit of a restructuring, but uh, it's not a big deal. We were able to do that. Well, she wasn't happy about that. It was a very different job than what she had. She didn't consider that to be uh, a good thing at all. So she called me, really, or she, she con- connected with me on the live stream earlier, just wanting to understand her rights. Well, John, this has to be very clear, and there's really no exceptions to the fact that when you come back from a parental leave, whether you're a father or a mother, when you come back from parental leave, you have to be given the same job, the same job, same hours, same pay, 
same everything. If you're not, if you're not given uh, the same job, just like with this lady, uh, different job, that could be a constructive dismissal. It could be a human rights violation. It could be an employment standards violation. In other words, it's completely illegal, it's inappropriate, and it creates a significant exposure to the company. So I told her that we can get the company to back off. Watch it. If they hear from me, they'll back off completely. <laughs> or we can get her out of there with compensation. Uh, so she's going to decide on that and she's going to reach out to me. But there's there's an important message here and a, a lesson for employees and employers. If you go on parental leave, you can expect to have the same job back. Yeah. As simple as that. If you don't, if the company keeps someone else in that role instead of you, if they hire someone and they want that someone to stay in that role, not have you in it, illegal. You call me, there are significant repercussions for a company doing that. So now you know what to do. If that sounds even a bit familiar, you give me a call. It kind of seems uh, weird that companies to this day still don't realize uh, what they should what they should not do, especially when it comes to parental leave, no? Well, to me, I think this company knew what it should do, but they thought that just if they keep the job title the same, they can kind of sneak in the situation under the radar and and, and no one's going to call them on it. Well, no, the job title at, at the end of the day is not that important. What matters is the job itself. Yep. You can't be given a different job coming back for parental, even if the job title is the same. So they try to kind of game the system. Uh, we'll call them on it. Uh, yes, employers should know better. The law is actually not complicated at all when it comes to these things. And uh, we'll get to this. So weird things that you need to know about termination of severance. A lot of these things we may have covered sometime in the show in the last few years. If not, these are brand new for you, which is great. It's all knowledge you uh, you need to have. This one, I mean, this is really the, the bedrock of it, right? Everything you need to know about severance is calculated is wrong. No kidding, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing you need to know about severance, uh, that everything you know about it is actually wrong. And that, that's the good starting point because uh, you ask 10 people out, you know, take a walk on the street and ask 10 people, mm -hmm. if you lose your job, how's that severance going to be calculated? They'll give you 10 different answers, I guarantee you. Unless, of course, someone listens to our show regularly, in which case they'll give you the right answer. But beyond that, you'll get 10, 10 different answers that are all wrong. Some will say, no, you you only get severance if it's a big company. Others will say, well, you get a, a week per year of service. Others will say you get two weeks per year of service. Others will say it's up to the company. You get the idea. Uh, so all of that, all of that, everything I just said, and I can give you 10 more examples, is wrong, false, not true at all. First of all, severance is paid to everyone. If you lost your job, you were owed severance. I don't know that I can make it any simpler than that. I was asked today, actually, during the live stream, uh, how do I know if I get severance? Well, my response is, if you had a job and you lost that job, you're owed severance. It's as simple as that. Uh, so number one. Number two, of course, the company doesn't get to decide. The law decides how much severance. And the size of the company doesn't matter. Whether you work for a company with one employee or 1,000 employees, severance is going to be the same. And there's a few factors that go into deciding how much severance you get. The main ones, of course, are your age, your position, and the length of your employment. And it's a lot more than a week per year or two weeks per year. So all these things that you thought you knew for a fact, or maybe you heard from someone, or maybe you even read online, it's wrong, it's false. So if you lose your job, do the right thing. Use the severance calculator that John mentioned. Uh, you can find it, of course, at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. 
Better yet, give me a call. Let's talk about that because whatever you think you know about severance is probably wrong. Something else you need to know, and this uh, this one's interesting too. It says even if you are let go without cause, the employer can change its mind and say that it was for cause. Break that down for a sec. So, you know, a termination for cause is the most common type of termination. That means you're you're let go not because of something horrible that you did. It's simply the company's decision. They have to pay you severance, etc. On the other hand, a termination for cause happens only if you did something so bad, so terrible. Mm-hmm. The company is terminating for cause and doesn't have to pay any severance. Very difficult to establish. But it is possible in some situations for, the, for a company to initially terminate without cause and say, yeah, yeah, we're going to pay you severance and then change its mind and terminate for cause. This happens when a company discovers after the fact that you did something that could have been caused. So the classic example is company lets you go because of a restructuring, no big deal. And then they're they're cleaning up your desk or computer and they realize, holy cow, you were stealing from them this whole right. time. Well, clearly the company is going to say, wait a second, even though we terminated you initially because of a restructuring, we now understand that we had cause, so we're going to change our mind. This is called after acquired cause. The idea is that after the fact, after the termination, the company came to learn of new information. But that's only possible, very important, if the company learned of brand new information that they didn't have before and that you, in fact, did do something terrible. If the company just changes its mind because it wants to avoid paying you severance, it does not work. They have to pay you full severance. Remember, for a company to avoid paying you severance, it is very difficult. Whatever you did would have had to be pretty awful, pretty bad. In most cases, when a company says they have cause, they really don't. And we continue on the other side more of the Wednesday night edition Employment Law Show. Stay with us. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show. We are talking about this evening weird things that you need to know about termination and severance. We're going to throw, uh, throw one across the plate for all the employers out there. And that is employers that are concerned about the high cost of severance, which it can be, have a very simple way to reduce that liability. What's that all about, Lior? So first of all, uh, employers sometimes listen to the show and oftentimes they email me being very grateful for the information and, and even ask for some help to deal with their issues, which is fantastic. But other times they get a bit unfriendly with me and they get very upset saying, well, you're telling people all these things and it costs us so, so much money and, and it's wrong. First of all, remember, I don't make up the laws. It's ridiculous to blame me because the laws are the laws. And what they're correct about, that severance can be very, very expensive. It could cost an employer as much as two years' pay, in some cases even more than two years' pay. It's very expensive. But employers do have the ability to significantly reduce or limit the amount of severance they have to pay. And the way they do that is through an employment agreement. Mm -hmm. If an employer drafts or has a lawyer draft a proper employment agreement, that agreement can have a term in it that limits future severance. So it could be the the difference between paying someone eight weeks severance, if you have that agreement, or paying them two years severance if you don't have that agreement. So if an employer doesn't bother doing that, doesn't bother 
having a proper agreement drafted and having the employee sign it, there's they really can't blame anyone, including me, that they have to pay a lot of severance. The law means makes it so. So for an employer, that agreement can be used if you have it properly drafted to limit severance. For an employee, if we talk about it for a second from the employee's perspective, you don't want an agreement like that. You never want to see an agreement like that. You'd rather uh, start a job on an oral agreement, on a handshake deal. So depending on your perspective, that employment agreement either way is going to be very, very important. Brenda, thank you so much for standing by momentarily. How are you this evening? I'm good. How are you? We're fantastic and so glad you took the time. What's uh, what's going on with you? So I've been working for the last 36 plus years, <clears throat> excuse me, at a law firm. Um, wow. I'm actually a lawyer, a lawyer um, and I've been given um, notice, 24 months notice in lieu of any severance <clears throat> because they want to get rid of, I guess, or downsize the, the firm and, and get rid of my area of expertise. So I don't know if I have any recourse other than I was given 24 months working notice which is not a good so, thing for me in my 60s because yes. nobody's going to hire me. <laughs> so, Brenda, approximately how many employees work for your law firm? Um, right now, um, probably about five. Five. Okay. Total, that's, that's lawyer, staff, everyone about five. Including, including myself, there's a couple of other lawyers and, and a couple of like, uh, non-lawyers. So. Okay. So in your situation, you are owed 24 months severance, but one of the ways that an, an employer can provide you that is by providing you working notice. So if they provide adequate working notice, they don't have to pay you anything in addition to that. So if they provided you with 24 months working notice and during that 24 months, everything stays the same, you know, your pay is the same, et cetera, then they would have met those obligations. Now, there is an argument that, uh, given the fact you've been there for so uh, for so long, 37 years, by the time you're done, it's going to be 39, going on 40, et cetera, that, uh, that you could be owed a bit more than that, that you could be one of those rare people that gets 26, 28 months uh, of pay. So, yes, I could make the argument that you could be owed anywhere from two to four months more at the end of that uh, notice period if you haven't found another job by then. But certainly the bulk of your entitlements would be provided by way of this working notice. I know it's not ideal, uh, but an employer is allowed to provide working notice in lieu of paying that severance. Right, which is pretty pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Not a good situation for me to be in, for sure. Yeah, and unfortunately, again, if they give that notice in writing and, and it's it's, you know, they're not reducing your pay, et cetera, during that time, that, that is something that impacts your entitlements, and it is something that's legal. And so what what would my recourse just be to find something else? And that's it. Correct. If you, if you do find something else before then, keep in mind, if you leave before the 24-month period is over, let's say you find another job in six months and you leave, that's fine. They don't have to pay you anything once you leave beyond that. If at the end of the 24 months you still have not found another job, even though you've, you've made some efforts, then I could have I could make the argument they should owe you another few months' pay just because of, of the length of your employment. And I think you said you're in your 60s, and it's certainly going to be difficult for you to find another job. So yeah, I can make that argument absolutely. So feel free to reach out to me at that point. But for now, you're going to continue working uh, unless, of course, you decided to leave uh, of your own accord beforehand. Right. Okay. 
All right. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Brenda. Appreciate your time and keep us updated for sure, which I, I guess there's two ways to look at that base. I mean, you know, specifically in, in Brenda's situation, Lee, or yeah, it's it kind of sucks. She's got to hang around for two years, but I mean, it does kind of save her looking for a new job. She's got two more years of work, and if she's in her mid-60s, you know, she might be able to retire at that point if she wants to. Maybe not, but at least she's got two more years of, of employment she knows about, right? Correct, and, and the other side of it is, and I've heard many people say this to me over the years, that it's sometimes easier to find a job when you're employed than when you're unemployed. Right. So that actually may help her find another job. I know it's, it's certainly more difficult in your 60s than, let's say, if we were in your 30s, uh, but... Uh, hopefully she can. From an employer's standpoint, they would have met their obligations or the vast majority of their obligations certainly by providing her with two years' notice. We don't really, you don't really hear too many of those to that extent. Six months, few months, maybe a year, but the two year, the two year uh, working notice you've mentioned before is pretty rare to get one. Extremely on rare. I mean, yeah. twenty one years I've been doing this, thousands of of people, etc., and I've seen it only a handful of times. Very, very rare. But again, not a not a bad move for the employer. If they trust the employee and they, they don't think the employee is going to do a bad job in this situation, That's not right. a bad move for the employer to give that much notice uh, and, and avoid having to pay that severance. That's how it all works here. Quickly on air, you got some time to uh, make a call yourself. Bring it on now if you want to, 416-870-6400. Going to bounce back over to our main topic, weird things that you must know about termination and severance. you got to know these things. If you regularly work overtime, the, the overtime hours count when calculating severance. Don't let that go by, especially if you do a lot of overtime, right? Absolutely. So, so the reason for that is this. When it comes to your severance, your severance has to include all components of compensation. In other words, you have to get paid as if you were still working. So let's think about that, right? If you're let go today, but you have to get paid severance as if you were still working, if you're still working, you'd get your salary, right? We know that. So salary has to be included in your severance, of course. If you were still working, you would have your benefit coverage, health, dental, et cetera. So that has to be included. Well, but if you work overtime hours, you would be working some overtime hours. And we can see based on past history, what generally that would be. Well, that has to be included. So for example, if on average a month you make, I don't know, $1,000 in overtime, just as an example, well, that has to be included for the severance period. So yeah, overtime can be a very important part of that. There's people that work a lot of overtime, make good money doing that. Mm -hmm. Well, if they're let go, that has to be included as part of their severance. And I can almost guarantee you that the employer is initially not going to want to do that. They're going to say, no, no, we're just going to pay you on your regular salary, not your overtime. Uh-uh, wrong, not possible. So if you're working overtime, if you have other components of your compensation, a car allowance, bonuses, commissions, stock options, if you have those components, they also have to be addressed and included as part of your severance. Remember that it's not just your base salary. You need to be made whole, basically, right, for the length of severance time. It's as simple as that. If you want to know if something needs to be included, you ask yourself simply, would I have received it had I continued working? And if the answer is yes, then it also gets included in your severance. Here's something else you need to know. In fact, you can shout this one from the rooftops. The government cannot help you, cannot help you get what you are owed if you lost your job. We know it's the Ministry of Labor. They cannot help you. They're talking about weird things that you may not know about your severance rights. And and this one gets people all the time. Yeah. It's the the instinct, the, the natural reaction to say, well, I lost my job. I want to know what my rights are. I don't think my employer is paying me properly. There's a ministry of labor. They they even have a 1-800 number so I can call them toll free uh, and they'll, they'll help me out. Guess what? 
cannot, and they cannot, the Ministry of Labor, the government, call it the labor, we're calling whatever you want, cannot help you get your full entitlements or even advise you with respect to your full entitlements. The government only administers the Employment Standards Act, which outlines a small portion of your entitlements, the smallest portion. Your Most of your entitlements, 90% of your entitlements are not into the Employment Standards Act. They're under common law. And because of that, the government cannot help you. So when it comes to losing your job, you cannot go to the government for help. You absolutely can go there for overtime because overtime is governed by the Employment Standards Act. You can go there for vacation pay because, again, Employment Standards Act. But you cannot go there if you lost your job. And in fact, just by going there or filing an official complaint with the government, you then give up your rights to pursue your full entitlements. Terrible situation. If you lost your job, you want to get what you're actually owed, your full entitlements, you have to speak with an employment lawyer. Speak to me, or if you don't like me for whatever reason, speak to another employment lawyer. That's okay, but cannot and should not speak to the government. Here's an interesting one you need to know. It's very difficult to get compensation for hurt feelings or emotional distress. That's right. So, And this is simply by operation of the law. Our laws don't know what to do with that generally. So you may have been treated badly by the by your employer. Uh, they may have hurt your feelings. They may have been dishonest. Uh, and you say, you know, why should they be getting away with that? I should be compensated for that. Well, for the most part, uh, the law cannot compensate you for that. The law can compensate you for financial losses. So generally speaking, whenever something bad happens to you because of someone else, you can get compensated for your financial losses, not because of someone else's behavior, except in extreme situations. That's why we spend so much time talking about severance, because that's what the law can provide for you. Slip in one more call for the uh, the night. Chantel, thank you for waiting. What's your question? Hi, um, I would like to find out what uh, the definition or criteria is to be an employee versus an independent contractor if you're working on a casual basis, like a temp basis. So an employee is someone that uh, is in, not in business for themselves. They work for the company. A contractor is someone that's in business for themselves. They have various customers. They set their own hours. They use their own tools. Uh, they set their own wage rate. If you work for someone that tells you what to do, tells you where to go, uh, and and they they decide everything. Guess what? You are an employee. It doesn't matter what they call you. So that's generally it. The independent contractor is someone that's in business for themselves. Your plumber that comes to your house to fix your, your leaky faucet is in business for himself. They have customers. They finish your job. They tell you how much they're going to charge. They finish that job. They go to someone else. So that's a contractor. Uh, an employee is something very different. Chantel, appreciate that uh, quick question and the quick answer lays it down. If you want more uh, definitions on if you are or not a contractor, you know where to go. Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca has got all those answers. And to continue on with the conversation on your own time, you could do so with Lior and his crew, 1-855-821-5900, or email, right, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Back in here tomorrow, 6.30, next edition of the Employment Law Show at that time. So go and enjoy the rest of your evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.